Welcome to Addicted to Busy, the podcast specifically for overachieving property managers who are dying for a little more work-life balance in their lives. Each week, we dismantle all the BS that holds us back. You'll learn how to nix those tricky self-sabotaging habits so that you have the time, energy, and motivation to create what you really want in life. If you're looking to shift from overcommitted to overjoyed, this is the podcast for you. Let's do this. Now, your host, Anna Havalyana. Hey, everyone, and welcome back. All right. So did last week's episode get you to reflect on any past breakthroughs? What did you find? If you didn't listen to last week's episode, I'm going to ask you to stop and go back and listen to episode number 49, how you know you've had a breakthrough. As a quick recap, there are a few steps that you will walk through on your way to a breakthrough. Number one, you will become aware of something that you couldn't see before. Number two, you will understand it in a new way. And number three, you will do things differently. And also, there are a few ways that I've defined for myself that signify that I've had a breakthrough. Number one, once you see it clearly, you will start to recall past memories or experiences where this concept was present. Number two, you didn't know what was standing in your way, but now you do. Number three, you can never show up to those situations without this new awareness again. And number four, your breakthrough just becomes grounds for another breakthrough. I love this stuff. Last week, I gave the example of what it was like to understand what deflection is versus what it was like to witness deflection happening in the moment. And that was a bit of a personal example of a breakthrough. But breakthroughs can show up in various aspects of your life, from relationships to your health to your mental well-being. There are so many things we've yet to learn and realizations that we have yet to uncover. As it pertains to our roles as property managers, the role of a breakthrough was described beautifully in episode three of The Index, which is a podcast produced by the Rice Business School. Eric Dane is an associate professor of management at the Jones Graduate School of Business at Rice University, and he studies epiphanies in the workplace. On the podcast, the hosts explain, and I am quoting here, Epiphanies represent a new model of problem solving. All businesses have problems to solve, and all businesses compete with other businesses in that same space. So if you're a business that can foster better problem solving, you have a competitive advantage in the marketplace. So it actually is important to the bottom line. All right, I encourage you to listen to the whole episode. I've linked the episode in the show notes so that you don't even have to go look it up. But I love this. These are business professionals literally saying that personal breakthroughs can potentially affect our bottom line. All right, so you've had a breakthrough. Now what? I love this analogy that I heard from another coach. They were explaining that when you work with a coach or you obtain a designation or a degree, that your teachers and mentors are going to give you a map. They're going to give you a general overview of what to expect. From this map, you can see where you are and you can see where you're headed. But what you cannot see in this map are all of the finer details. Things like, do you need to pay for tolls? Where will you stop for gas? What's the climate like in the place that you're going to? Are there any roadblocks? 
You see, while the map is accurate, it doesn't necessarily tell you everything that you need to know in order to get you to your destination. And that's what my goal is for this week's episode. I want to drill down into the details of a solid breakthrough and tell you the good, the bad, and the ugly. All right, so let's start with the basics. After you have had a breakthrough of some kind, the first thing that you need to do is to be very gentle and kind to yourself. Now, I know this may sound like a foreign concept to some of our managers out there who are relentlessly hard on themselves. According to Eric Dane, the professor that I mentioned earlier, he says that epiphanies resolve psychological tension. So I want you to think about this from the tension standpoint. Imagine something that requires a lot of tension, things like lifting weights or trying to unscrew a lid that is stuck. There's a lot of tension, a lot of pain, and a lot of discomfort, and then all of a sudden, relief. When we have a breakthrough, it's oftentimes preceded by discomfort. There's oftentimes a lot of tension until finally, it clicks. But where some of us get in our own way is that we don't make room for the relief. We can immediately jump into problem-solving mode or fix-it mode, when in reality, we may need just a little bit of time to process. When we experience breakthroughs, it's really not uncommon that big emotions are going to come up. This, again, is why I highly encourage that you have a solid self-care practice in place and also enlist the help of a therapist or a support community. Truth be told, it's really not uncommon after a breakthrough to feel a little bit lost. And in my opinion, there's nothing inherently wrong with feeling a little lost so long as you're taking personal responsibility for your next action steps. One of the best benefits of not only experiencing breakthroughs, but welcoming them, is that with each one that I uncover, I've stopped taking myself so seriously. Keep in mind, this comes with the caveat of having to feel all of that discomfort and tension. But year after year, things become less of a quote-unquote big deal to me. Now, I used to have this belief that I needed to take everything very seriously, especially as it pertained to my role in the office. Otherwise, everything would just fall to pieces, right? I see this with my clients as well. I had a few clients who were really struggling with their weight and body image, and we were examining how much of their mental bandwidth was spent on analyzing the way that their body looks. And initially, they believed that if they weren't obsessing over their weight, that they would immediately gain 20 pounds. But over time, they started to realize that when they shifted their focus to creating more of the experiences that they wanted out of life, that they were less interested in overeating because they were doing things that were fulfilling. When they invested their energy in pursuing their passion projects, food wasn't on their mind so much because they were doing something that they loved. It was a mindset shift that allowed them to be more at ease. I can't remember where I heard this, but I, I do find this to be true, that the less control you seek, the easier it is to reach more of your goals. I also think that when we value our goals highly, but hold them lightly, it is infinitely more fun to pursue them. A good breakthrough 
is going to reveal what truly matters and what doesn't. It will show you what's essential, and it's going to expose what is simply busy work. So as you witness your breakthroughs, give yourself plenty of space to process. There will be time to react and take new actions, but in the initial stages, spend more time just being aware. Encourage yourself to be more observant and focus on what you notice. This is a beautiful part of the process, and it's an excellent time to do some journaling, self-reflection, and or meditation. So I've talked a little bit about my favorite parts of breakthroughs, but I do want to be upfront and honest that there are a couple of caveats as well. One of the hardest parts of this work is that it will affect your relationships. And the tricky part is, is that you don't know if this change is going to deepen intimacy within your relationships or if it will end a relationship. Now, I've been fortunate that I'm surrounded by friends, family, and coworkers who are good people who care about others. I thank God and the universe for the amazing people that I get to call my loved ones. But I've also worked in toxic work environments and I've had friendships that were not reciprocal where I was giving far more than I was receiving. Now, in those situations, I couldn't necessarily see that at the time. And if you remember, not being able to see something is grounds for the start of a breakthrough. For those of you who are experiencing toxic work environments or friendships, these organizations and or so-called friends are benefiting from you not seeing your worth. When you make changes and when you stand up for yourself, it's not uncommon that those who stood to benefit from your efforts will leave your life. When you have nothing to give them, they might show their true colors. When you experience a breakthrough, you will change and change is scary to other people. Some people want you to stay exactly as you are. Now on the flip side, maybe after listening to this episode, you might come to understand why someone decided that they needed to set boundaries with you. In any event, if a relationship is severed, there is a grieving process that we need to go through so that we don't carry those wounds with us into other relationships. Again, this is why I started the episode with the recommendation that you give yourself plenty of room for self-reflection and self-care and that you are super gentle with yourself. Now, the good news is that breakthroughs can also deepen relationships exponentially. I have a very solid group of girlfriends, and I wish that everyone in the world could experience what it is like to be loved by them. They manage to balance their own busy lives and support one another while also being clear about what they can and cannot give in any moment. However, these relationships are what they are because we've all had to have our own mini breakthroughs together. We've had to advocate for our needs in the relationship, and we've had to have conversations about how we as friends either can or cannot meet those needs for one another. As I have watched them face their own challenges, and as I've listened to them share their stories without trying to fix anything, I get to vicariously live through their learned experiences. So yes, as you break through your own limiting self-beliefs, there's a chance that your friend pool might become smaller, but it will also become richer and you will find the people who you can truly trust. All right, another thing that you need to expect as you keep breaking through life's challenges 
is that there may be some things that you used to love to do. All of a sudden, you don't love doing them anymore. You see, sometimes the things that we like doing, they're actually just a distraction from the pain we refuse to address in our lives. My favorite example of this is my relationship with alcohol. Please allow me to brag for just a moment. I have an amazing relationship with alcohol. It's something that I receive compliments on, and it's something that I'm very proud of. But it did not start that way. My relationship with alcohol was influenced by the party scene in college. And even as a college student, I think deep down that I knew that I didn't love drinking as much as other people did, but I did it anyway, just to fit in. For a couple of years, I decided to bartend because that allowed me to go out and be social, but I didn't have to drink to get drunk. And I don't think I was consciously aware at the time that that's what I was doing. But in hindsight, I think it was my subconscious way of trying to create a valid excuse for not drinking. Anyway, as I entered my career in property management and my workaholic habits started to take hold, I was consuming a lot of wine. Not only that, I was still going out on weekends and I could never have just one. I always had more than one, and then I always ended up overeating later on in the night. It was an awful cycle. Because of it, I was about 30 pounds heavier than I am today, and honestly, probably 40 pounds heavier, but I wouldn't know because for many years, I was too ashamed to even get on the scale. I never set out to change my relationship to alcohol. It just kind of happened. After I got engaged, I wanted to lose weight for my wedding day. And one of the first things my coach had me do was cut drinking out of the week entirely. This was a huge challenge because I was involved in a lot of property management organizations that held a lot of happy hours, golf events, building tours, you name it. And the first few weeks of reducing my drinking were rough. I started to witness that even though I didn't have a diagnosable dependency on alcohol, I was definitely using alcohol to calm my nerves. And standing in the middle of a networking event with a Diet Coke in my hand, it finally hit me that I was experiencing social anxiety. Not the crippling type of social anxiety that needed medication, just your normal state-of-the-art human social anxiety. And in that moment, I had a choice. I could drink now to fit in and feel guilty about it later, or... I could process this anxiety and get to feel amazing when I got home later that night, having stayed true to my intentions to not drink. And that was my epiphany. I never actually liked drinking. I just did it to fit in. And fitting in was making me miserable because I kept gaining weight. Now, here's something else that I want you to know about breakthroughs. They are not instantaneous. Even once you can see what's getting in your way, you have work ahead of you. Redefining my relationship with alcohol was a challenging process. Not only did I have to deal with my internal struggle of feeling cravings to have the alcohol, I had to deal with all of the ways that people were calling attention to my new choices and challenging me. But over time, I've created an unshakable confidence within myself that I can and will drink as much or as little as I want. Now, Here's the thing. Some people are clearly uncomfortable when I don't drink in social settings. But even though I have that confidence, that doesn't mean that I don't feel discomfort from time to time. There are people who are clearly uncomfortable when I don't drink in social settings, especially social settings where it's appropriate to be drunk. 
To this day, if I go to a tailgate or a party, inevitably someone will try to peer pressure me as if we were still 15 years old. And at first, I feel uncomfortable and not going to lie, at times I have caved to the pressure. But after years of this, I've started to learn that the people who peer pressure the most usually have their own thoughts to sort out about their own drinking habits. And that's not on me. Now that I have that realization, on top of all of the other realizations that I had to get to this point, it makes it so much easier for me to drink the amount of alcohol that feels right for me and that allows me to enjoy the event without waking up and feeling like shit. It also allows me to have compassion for that person because I can see that their discomfort says more about their own inner thoughts than it does anything about mine. It reminds me of this quote by Brianna Wiest, and I love her as an author. Please stop what you're doing and go buy every one of her books and essays and guided journals. The quote says, anything that is new, even if it is good, will feel uncomfortable until it is also familiar. Our brain works the opposite way, and that whatever is familiar is what we perceive to be good and comfortable, even if those behaviors, habits, or relationships are actually toxic or destructive. That is a quote from her book, The Mountain Is You, which is a book that I send to all of my one-to-one clients. I'll never forget an extremely awkward situation that I had at an industry golf event. This was an event that historically, I would throw back a couple. The first year that I really started to redefine my relationship to alcohol, a vendor asked to buy me a drink, and I said, no thanks. And he chided me for my decision. He started saying things like, what, are you too good to drink now? And I replied, no, I just don't feel like drinking. Well, he bought me a drink anyway, and he brought it to me. I said, thank you, and I placed the drink on the table behind me. He proceeded to buy me a second drink and a third drink until eventually there were four undrank whiskey Cokes seated on the table behind me. He tried to shame me by saying how ungrateful I was that someone was buying me a drink and I wouldn't drink it. But the truth was, he was too drunk to see that he wasn't making me look ungrateful. He was making himself look very, very pushy. It was an uncomfortable moment, to say the least. But I can tell you without a doubt, I am no longer the type of person who drinks just because someone else said to. Now, for the record, while I do have a fantastic relationship with alcohol, I'm really trying to replicate this with my relationship to ice cream, and it is not going so well. But again, it's just something to keep working on and exploring. One place I want you to be very conscious of is your own self-talk. As you experience new insights, you might feel some shame or regret because you're starting to see that insight everywhere. It's important not to berate yourself, but rather to support and congratulate yourself for calling yourself out because that's hard shit. Instead of beratement, what we really wanna do is break this down into pieces. We wanna start asking questions like, what was I doing? Why was I doing it? What was I hoping to achieve? And how could I achieve this in a healthy way? By asking yourself questions, you set yourself up to make the most of these newfound learnings. 
Now, the good news is that breakthroughs can also feed a lot of creativity. If you are into art or projects in any way, after a breakthrough is one of the best times to dive into your work and find ways of expressing it. Listen, a breakthrough means nothing if you don't use it to change your life in some way. I'm really excited for the breakthroughs and epiphanies that I'll experience in this next year. Who knows? Maybe there's still a couple in 2023 that I've yet to find. Life has become so much more fun because of it. Now, I'll end today's episode with a quote, again from Eric Dane, from the Rice Business School, where he says, solving a problem is not based on how hard it is or how well-trained you are or how much you know about the problem. Think about what's holding you back in life. Where are the tensions? What are you resisting right now if the tension was not in place? Epiphanies take introspection, but they can give you the answers that you need. All right, if you love this episode and you want to experience more breakthroughs, come sign up for our group coaching program. This is exactly what we do inside the calls. Our clients are having new breakthroughs every week, and it is so fun to witness others do this work alongside yourself. If you're interested in getting started, come sign up for a free coaching call. You can sign up at anahavoliana.com and in the top right-hand corner of the website, click Get Free Coaching. That's A-N-N-A-J-A-V as in vitamin E-L-L-A-N-A.com. All right, my friends, until next time, I love you. Keep going. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Addicted to Busy. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. This helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode.